Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, Rachel McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. And this is a show we do called Wonderful. Yeah, we're, we blew it already. I did not even mean to like do it different. It was I like when we you were said, trying it. No, when you said your name, I was like, well, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> so I'm going to acknowledge that. Anyway, this you, is a show. You've, you've done a lot of podcasting today, I would I say. I have done a lot of podcasting this week and next week. I'm already, I'm already exhausted from the podcasting I'm going to be doing next week. <laughs> this is a show where we talk about things we like, things that are good, things that we're into. And um, I'm into this beautiful weather. Yeah. I'm into, uh, not as into the visible cloud of allergens that is sort of just like surrounding our neighborhood like pig pen dirt. You know, when I take Gus for a walk in the stroller, the wheels now are entirely covered in pollen it's it's genuinely wild folks it's genuinely but and like whatever we made the decision to live here that was our choice true and our truth but christ alive i had no idea that it was just gonna be just a uh, just a ashy sort of light lime green just year round just every day of our lives yeah but but that's not wonderful is it do you have any small ones? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I'm going to say your Griddlebone shirt. Do you want to give the backstory on that? Yeah. So uh, back when Griffin and I didn't have children, we used to occasionally go to uh, different breweries around town. Yeah. And there was one called Austin Beer Works. And we went there a few times. And they had a beer called Griddlebone. And Griffin... Bought the shirt. Well, I talked about how great it would be if that could become my new, because it starts with Gri, if it could become like my new cool nickname. Yeah. And so I tried to get it started like, hey, everyone, call me Griddlebone. <laughs> and I, so I bought the Griddlebone shirt. I will say our one friend, Eric, was really bought into that. He was, but it didn't really stick with any of our friends. But um, yes. But anytime Griffin wears that shirt, it reminds me of a, of a simpler time. Me too. I like the shirt <laughs> We too. were like, yeah, I have so much free mental energy that I'm going to try and come up with a nickname. Do not remember the beer at all what does it even say what it's a oh it's an ip india pale lager i don't know what that means but uh i remember enjoying it (laughs) uh i'm gonna say i mean there's a, a restaurant here in town called modern market i don't know if it's a chain or not but it's one of just a few restaurants i can think of where i can order something new every time that we go there and it's almost always like spectacular. And that makes me, I'm getting really into, they have a, like a blueberry pesto sandwich that is mm. my new jam with a nice cup of uh, tomato basil bisque. It, it hits me so <laughs> right now. And it's like not what I usually order. I just like tried it and I was like, oh, well, this is my new favorite. So uh-huh. shout out to Modern Market. We have never actually stepped foot inside no, that God. restaurant. No, no, no. <laughs> but they bring the food to your house. That's how modern they are. That's how modern this market is. I think you go first this week. I do. Okay. I'm excited about this. Oh, me too. Um, this is another one. You know, last time we recorded, we did Jock Jams, and I like gave you a little audio clue. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I want to do that again with this one, and I okay. think you'll get it right away. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. The more you know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is good. This is going to take me down a real trip I'm really down glad you got lane. that, because I felt like I was a little pitchy, and I was going to be embarrassed if you were like, oh, no, that's not. No, honey, I got, I got you. You got there. <laughs> Um, 
Public service announcements are a thing that seemed like they were really blowing up when we were kids, like late 80s, early 90s. Blowing up in which I guess I don't really have much context as to. I just don't know if it's a thing. I guess I don't know if it's a thing of of the now. But I know like when you used to turn on television, maybe it was because we were watching more kids programming. Yeah. There would be a lot of these things. And um, the more you know, when we were watching, it became this thing that was like your your favorite television superstars and yeah. like movie actors would do them. Was it an NBC exclusive it was. feature? Okay, it was. And so, like, it it's funny because it started as as this way of getting out information to the public that was just kind of like good to know information, uh, and then it kind of became a oh, and by the way, it's the entire cast of Seinfeld. Yeah, or, and look, they're, and they're like, <laughs> don't eat batteries. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Uh, and so it seemed a little uh, a little less pure when it started to be like, oh, hey, you know our show ER? Well, they don't want you to smoke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> ER, you know, on Thursdays at 8 o'clock? Uh, so More You Know has been around for over 30 years. It's still in they existence. They still do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the Wilmer Valderrama? The only thing I can think of like this is Wilmer no, Valderrama. That's I think what- that's for like the National Kidney Institute yeah. or something like that. Yeah, no, that that uh, Wilmer Valderrama thing made me think of this, actually, okay, okay. because I was watching that thinking of like, you know what I remember? Um, but if you go to the NBC website, like you can see a lot of their more recent ones. They've done a lot lately on like diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. Uh, so it's a, a little more topical than when they, when they started. So more, you know, started... As a public service announcement, and public service announcements became a thing in the 1940s, it was a the War Advertising Council, and it was just kind of telling you about war efforts. Cool. You know, so like save your scrap metal or whatever. Uh, That's wild that they needed that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Do you like throwing my Pepsi cans in the right like in a big truck that drives around town? That's like, we need to make these into bullets. And I'm I know. thinking like... <laughs> Enjoy, soldiers. <laughs> You're welcome. We're all chipping in. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, so when the war ended, um, that specific war, I mean, war hasn't ended as a whole, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, it became the Ad Council, uh, and it was aligned with mandates from the FCC uh, to balance special interests with objective information. So in the 60s, for example, when they used to advertise smoking, uh, like cigarettes, for example. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, know of them. <laughs> I realized they weren't just like, "Hey, try smoking." It yeah. was like, no specific brands. Yeah. Um, they would have to show a PSA on the dangers of smoking for every three cigarette spots. Okay. So, and apparently that was helpful because the number of smokers did start to decline, and then in 1971, the FCC banned smoking cigarette advertisements in 71 yeah i didn't realize that very progressive i didn't realize that because you know you still saw them like in magazines yeah you know but um i definitely saw mr joe camel in some of his great works that must have just been magazine advertisements yeah it definitely was in like billboards and stuff yeah i don't know what magazines i would be reading i don't think they had (laughs) smoking advertisements in like nintendo power or disney adventure magazine uh, okay, so the 80s uh, PSA efforts uh, started to focus more on like, 
you know, just general like health and safety advertisements. Uh, And that is when The More You Know came about. Uh, NBC's vice president was approached by several nonprofit educational groups to see if the network might want to raise awareness for specifically the teacher shortage. Oh, when was this? This is in the 1980s. I did not know there was a teacher shortage in the 1980s, but there was. Okay. Maybe because the baby boomers all had school-age kids and there were just a lot more kids. Okay. I don't know. Um, But that was kind of how it started. So if you look online now at some of the like historic ones, it's all about teachers, including one by Mr. Scott Bakula. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of thinking about the 80s teacher shortage. Were we also paying teachers like eight buttons and a fresh green apple for every week of work like we do now. Yeah. Okay. That might probably, have something to do with it. It's probably that. seven buttons back then. Yeah, right. Well, when you count in inflation, that's like 14 buttons. <laughs> they should pay teachers more. It seems like we wouldn't have to keep getting Scott Bakula to keep doing teachers' PSAs if we would pay them, I don't know, 11 buttons at minimum. Yeah, I mean, that's that's two shirts, yeah, I would think, right, right? there. <laughs> Uh, originally the idea was that it wasn't going to be like a, a talking head kind of thing, but the network f- kind of focused on this like celebrity idea and it kind of ran with that. Uh, so it start late eighties. It started with like Miami vice stars and Tom Broca stars. How'd you say his name? Tom Broca stars. I'm Tom Broca stars. <laughs> I like that. Trying to imagine what that character would be. I think he'd sound a little. little I, don't, yeah. I don't have that. Uh, and uh, L.A. Law stars too. Okay, which you know that time period. I guess was hot. I never watched super a, a super hot one of those shows. Uh, and then uh, they paired the creator of those with a graphic designer who came up with the shooting star. Oh, that's good. At the end, that like fits nicely into um, the. More the M in the more. Oh, I've never. Or no, even it's thought the of... W. It's the W. It okay. fits into the W at the end. That makes more sense because it, shoot, it would shoot lands, all the way. It wouldn't lands. stop <laughs> yeah. right at the M. And then the the theme, the little like melody, was created by the same person who did the Dateline theme. How does the Dateline theme go? I don't know that one. I don't. I haven't watched Dateline in so long. You haven't watched it in so long that you don't remember the theme. I don't. Okay. I thought you were going to say it was the same person who came up with the NBC, like boom, boom, boom. But that was like from like 1901 (laughs) or some shit. No, but this was a two-time Emmy Award winner. Okay. I mean, they knew their. That's a good four note. They knew their. They knew their bums. Little run they got there. The bops and their bums. Okay, so 1996 is kind of the year where you saw like the cast of Friends and the cast of ER. Uh, and they would come in and they'd have to deliver something in like 25 seconds. And then the five last five seconds were for the star graphic. You gotta save. <laughs> you gotta save time for the star graphic. Sure, you could use it for more life-saving information, but that star graphic is so good. Um, if you look, there's an IMDb just about the more you know, and you Ooh. can see like everybody that's ever done it. Who's like the wildest one on there? I was trying to find one that seemed especially wild to me. Um, but it's kind of all the usual the usual suspects. I guess they wouldn't just throw those around to to any old sitcom bit player. Yeah, I mean, I will say the the one with um, there's a couple that are really kind of stand out. There's a Julie Louis Dreyfus one where she talks about how 
you shouldn't let kids drop out because if you do, they'll start stealing cars. <laughs> and that one's that one's a little intense. Is that delivered in a sort of jokey, a jokey no, way? No, it's like, why should you be concerned about kids dropping out of high school? Well, because when they're out on the street, you know, they'll they could- steal your fucking car right <laughs> out from under your nose. Yeah. That's fun and wild and not, it doesn't sound right to me. No, it doesn't. Uh, and then there's one with Sean Hayes where he puts a cigarette in his ear and he's like, looks pretty stupid, right? Well, I remember this one. <laughs> I remember this one. <laughs> and he puts it in his mouth. He's like, this is even stupider. Cause fucking kill you. But then he exactly. lights it up and he takes a big, long drag and he's like, sure, it, it looks and feels so cool, but it's so stupid. Um, there was also, and I don't, I didn't remember this until I was reading about it. Um, but there was also one specifically for kids called "One to Grow On." Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and there's a video you can see of like a young Jason Bateman in 1987. Damn, he would be a young Jason Bateman doing a <laughs> a One to Grow On. Well, it was back in his uh, Silver Spoons. I don't know family. What was <laughs> I don't know much about Jason Bateman pre Arrested Development, but I do know that we've mentioned two of the hosts of Smartless in the last two minutes, and if you do <laughs> say the third, that they we, they we will conjure them sort of Beetlejuice style. Yeah, he was on Silver Spoons. Sorry, I just had to check that. Okay, um, and so yeah, those were specific to kids. So it was like Mr. T and Michael J. Fox talking about like finishing your homework, and Jason Bateman's was like, "Don't play your music too loud on public transportation." That's that's actually great for me, Jason. I do actually appreciate that. Um, I thought it would be like really fun to share like one of these on the show, but I will say a lot of them, particularly in the '90s, were pretty intense. Yeah, there were a lot focused on like sexual assault and domestic violence, uh, and I was like, well, that's not that's not really something I want to share on the show. No, it, that just made me think of Jennifer Love Hewitt's. Um, anti-drug spot where she talked about like eh, like this is your brain this is your brain on oh, drugs yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is your family on drugs and this is your dog on drugs oh, and she like fucks up her yeah. whole kitchen i don't think she says this is your dog on drugs <laughs> <laughs> that would be great though. it's a real problem <laughs> yeah uh so and and it's hard to say if these are like effective at all yeah but i will say so when i was reading about this it said in 1995 after a series of the more you know spots on domestic violence calls the domestic violence hotline went from 228 calls daily to quadruple that amount wow so you have to think it's related oh yeah sure 100 percent say for sure um the network earned a public and community service emmy which is not anything i knew existed Sure, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the Emmy that I uh, that I won and uh, it, for for Peace on the Playground, um, <laughs> and by I I mean little, mostly Chuck Minsker. Yeah, a but, little uh, kid size Emmy, little tiny Emmy. Yeah, a little, little Emmy. I got some tokens, I think, to Billy Bob's Wonderland for my part <laughs> in Peace on the Playground. Uh, and this has also been parodied a lot. I don't know if you remember when The Office was doing this, just to kind of basically promote. The, the show, office. The Office, yeah, Nothing they had like that. they had actors in character from The Office just talking about nonsense, just to like like okay, we got accused of this with Seinfeld in front, so let's just full yeah, on sure. do it. And yeah, I I I, I don't know. I, I was watching a lot of these. Uh, I was watching one with like LL Cool J. Uh, it's just it's incredible how many 
people have done this um, and how many of them you can find on YouTube. Yeah, I don't doubt that. <laughs> um, so I, w- I would encourage you all to check it out. I mean, it's everybody from like Farrah Fawcett to like Zach Braff. Zach Braff got in there, huh? Uh-huh. Christina Applegate, Tatiana Ali, uh, Lisa Gibbons. Yeah, man. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer is, is one. Tony Danza did one too, just about like, talk to your kids. <laughs> Tony Danza's was like, in the car, turn the radio down. Talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. Or else they'll drop out of school and steal that car that you're driving right now. You're supposed to be talking to them in. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Got a couple of Grandpa Rons here for you. And this first one is for Tiana and it's from Husband who says, Lovernin, 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 you're wonderful to me. I've loved working from home together for the last year, and I'm so lucky that you're my wife. I love you. P.S. Tiana, in case you couldn't tell, this is for you. 
Um, we do say the names of the people in t- at the top of the message. Uh, and I will also say that the copy made clear that my wife was supposed to be said that way. Oh, that, I didn't even need the copy to tell That me. was not a Griffin choice. I didn't even need the copy to tell me that. <laughs> it was spelled phonetically in the Borat sense. So I guess in the future, if people are doing jumbotrons and they don't want you to say my wife. That's what you should put down. They should put a note like, Griffin, don't do the voice. Please, 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 please. Do you want me to read the next one? Uh-huh. This message is for Chloe, Meg, Ben, Leah, and Ken, and it is from Lucas. To my dear TTRPG friends who introduced me to the McElroys and Taz, I love you all. You're so wonderful. And my darling husband, Ken, you're the best thing to ever happen to me. And I'm so happy you found your NB truth. Try to find the wonderful things in this crumbling world. Love to you and our perfect cat boys, Kravitz and Taco. So you see, TTRPG, I know you're probably wondering. Tabletop role-playing game? It stands for totally, totally, (laughs) really perfect Griffin. (laughs) So are are you saying that Lucas has totally, totally, really perfect Griffin friends? Yeah, and it's obviously some sort of grammatical error that... (laughs) They, they have made in the message because that is what that stands for. And I don't appreciate you saying I'm lying. <laughs> I just wanted to be recognized you right and I recognize. for my ability to put that acronym together. I recognize it. Thank you. Mm, that's the sound of me recognizing. <laughs> <laughs> Max Fun Drive is just around the corner. 2022. Starting April 25th, it's the best time of the year to support your favorite shows by becoming a Max Fun member or upgrading your membership. Just two weeks. We've got some great episodes and amazing thank you gifts in store. And who knows, maybe a few surprises. Don't forget bonus content. So make sure to tune in starting Monday, April 25th to get all the juicy details on what each show has in store. Actually, wait, what are the details anyway? And why are they juicy? That's kind of a strange adjective to describe Look, it's a rough world out there, especially lately. I get it. So let's take care of our minds as best we can. I'm John Moe, host of Depression Mode with John Moe. Every week, I talk with comedians, actors, writers, musicians, doctors, therapists, and everyday folks about the obstacles that our world and our brains throw in front of us. Depression, anxiety, traumatic stress, all those mental health challenges that are way more common and more treatable than you might think. The first time I went to therapy, I was so ashamed, and I was like, can't believe I gotta go to therapy. Like, I thought I could be a man, and Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. Give your mind a break, give yourself a break, and join me for Depression Mode with John Moe. I had you in mind when I chose my subject, because I think you're gonna get excited about it. Okay. I'm gonna talk about a little friend with pointy blue stuff on called Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yay. We went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2, me and Henry did. And to, uh, aside from an, I would call it, an unpleasant Alamo Drafthouse dining experience. Ooh, put them on blast. Get it fucking together, Alamo Drafthouse. <laughs> this is like the second or third time that they have just lost. Specifically, 
the order for, for kids our, movies. Our child. Yeah. yeah. So like, it sucks when you take the whole thing with draft houses. You go and they have food and drinks. It's like I think the th- I can think of three times that they've just like not brought the food, which is like I'm not a particularly fussy customer. But when it's like, oh, that's like the lunch I had planned for our five year old, and he's like complaining about how hungry he is. Not great. The film, a lot of fun. Had a good time with it, and it just made me feel very grateful. You know I'm a Mario man myself. Yeah, so so you didn't really explain to the listener why I would be excited about Sonic. Rachel Rachel does what Nintendo don't is essentially <laughs> my point. We were a Sega Genesis family. Yeah, and I love um, the reason why because it's very like it really identifies like your father. About, yeah, we've talked about this on the show before, but but my family does a lot of like review reading and comparison shopping. Yeah. And the suggestion, and it was true at the time, was that Sega had better graphics than Nintendo. And so if we were going to invest in a game system, yeah. we should do the one that- really Had eight games that came out on it. Yeah, I agree. It was a solid choice, I think, all around. Worth. Hey, you know those eight games? They were pretty okay. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. Who needs all of the hit JRPGs of the Super Nintendo era? That I will say, though, I would go over to my friends' houses and my skills were completely useless. Oh, sure. Like, not only totally different game, totally different controller. Like, yeah. It was very confusing to me. Yeah. The, the Genesis controller was a weird... It looked like a croissant with, like, <laughs> three too many buttons on it. Anyway, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, though, I like... I am glad he exists. I'm very glad for yeah, it. Yeah, it was only it was the only real game series that I like really played a yeah. lot. Um, so Sonic the Hedgehog, the character was designed by uh, a Japanese artist named Naoto Oshima, uh, and the first games were headed up by a programmer named Yuji Naka, who has gone on to sort of develop a lot of sort of big big games. He was the I think president of Sonic Team, which was sort of the organization within Sega that was responsible for. Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, I think for just a little bit though. So basically, in the early '90s, if you're not familiar with like the console wars, uh, Sega just could not break into like the con- home console market, particularly in America, um, because they had like a bunch of arcade games that were huge, especially in Japan, right? And so. For the Genesis, the that console was strong enough for them to port those arcade games to the Genesis. And so like that was most of the heat that they had, which was not oh. enough to compete with I never knew that. Which it was not enough to compete with like Mario and Zelda and Metroid and like all these huge things. And not only that, it was also if you were like a third party developer who had, you know, the budget to develop a game, you weren't gonna develop it for the Sega Genesis, which had like a microscopic market share of the home console audience, you would just sort of by default make it for Super Nintendo. So in order to change that, like Sega had to take a take a chunk out of Nintendo's like stronghold on on the market. Uh, their first attempt to do that was with sports. So they like actually teamed up with like major uh, sports organizations and athletes to like ha- have the defining sports games for like different sports right so in the nhl hockey specifically like that was we had nhl 96 nhl 96 was a fucking great game i think that's the one that they play on uh swingers the one where they yeah yeah. uh it was so great it was so i didn't give a shit about hockey and i played so much nhl 96 (laughs) um but it didn't change the fact that like it wasn't enough for sega to like have a decent share of the market so 
uh, what Sega basically did was hold open tryouts for their in-house and like other out- outside developers to come up with something that would be hot enough, something that used the the power of the Sega Genesis, the raw graphical power, uh, <laughs> to to like become a big hit, become what what they call in in the games industry a killer app, right? That you just have to you have to get the console so you can play that one game. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so uh, this very small team got together and showed a proof of concept demo of a little character who was originally a rabbit with prehensile ears who could turn into a ball and roll through tubes. And they were like, yep, 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 yep. That's it. Let's do it. The rabbit with prehensile ears who can roll through tubes. Let's do it. So was the idea that the rabbit would pick up stuff with the ears? Or it would swing in in the air, right? makes more sense. But for whatever reason, all I could find is that that mechanic of a rabbit with prehensile ears was difficult to accomplish on the Sega Genesis. So I don't know what that (laughs) means necessarily. So instead they focused on the rolling in a ball and then they're like, well, what animals can turn into balls? And that is, that is where the hedgehog came out of. Uh, His original name was Mr. Needle Mouse, which is very powerful. It has big uh, Yoshi T. Munch. uh, What is it? Munchakupa's Yoshisor T. Munchakupa's is Yoshi's first name. Uh, I, I very much enjoy that. So, do you know why Sonic is blue? No. Literally just because the Sega logo was blue. It's the same cobalt blue of the Sega logo. Uh, the red and white shoes, later, uh, Oshima uh, would attribute that to the cover of uh, Bad, the Michael Jackson yeah, uh-huh. 1986 album. Yeah. And like, he's not wearing red and white shoes. It's just like, that was the color palette. It was like a white album with MJ on it. And then in red spray paint, it says Bad. And he was like, I saw that. There's all kinds of wild connections between Michael Jackson and the Sonic like yeah. franchise, which all kind of originates from uh, Sega made a Michael Jackson game, I think called Moonwalker. Anyway, I'm spiraling right now. But, uh, and then, like, there was a lot of sort of 90s inspiration here. I found a few things that were attributed to an interview that I couldn't actually find with Oshima that uh, apparently there was, like, you know, this attempt to capture this cool American vibe. That's where you get the the Michael Jackson and just sort of the general attitude, which was apparently inspired by Bill Clinton's can-do attitude. This is weird. Apparently in like... uh, (laughs) It feels like a weird Mad Lib. (laughs) It does kind of. In his like 1992 presidential bid, it was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get it done. (laughs) And that that inspired sort of his... I don't know. It seems like a stretch to me, but apparently it it has been authenticated. Um, So that's how they came up with like Sonic the Hedgehog and, and, uh, you know, the game based around this very simple like rolling thing. And then they were like, let's make it go really fucking fast to make it stand apart from Mario, uh, who's, you know, I would say a normal speeded man. Uh, (laughs) And they still weren't sure how the game was going to be received by like young American gamers. So the, the CEO of Sega of America uh, arranged for the game to be packed in with the Genesis, right? So yeah. then it wasn't like, oh, I have to buy this Sega Genesis so I can buy Sonic. It was like, oh, everybody's playing Sonic and I can get it too when I buy this model of the Sega Genesis. So like yeah. when we got a Sega Genesis, it was with the Sonic the Hedgehog pack in and you yeah. play it and you're like, oh shit, this does actually look really good and yeah. feels totally different. Yeah. And that was enough to literally 
skyrocket Sega's market share. Yeah. That one move, it it like changed the face because then Nintendo changed pretty dramatically too to like counter that. And then Nintendo had its own weird like attitude era uh, that yeah. wasn't all good. But like that, the competition between the two of them is like the stuff of legends. They've written so many books and yeah. m- movies and TV shows about Sega versus Nintendo in the 90s. Well, it's just interesting. Like it's kind of the way movie studios, I feel like, still work where it's like, oh, you you've got... You've got this kind of disaster movie. What's our disaster movie going to be? It's like you've got a man in overalls. What's our man in overalls? <laughs> but this is even this is I would argue even bigger than that, right? Because this is like uh, you know, Apple. This is like Apple showing up to challenge like Microsoft's like death yeah. grip on the PC usage. And then as a result, everybody going like, "Oh shit, like this is a thing everybody has." Like more consoles were in more homes and there were more homes that had multiple game consoles and so people got very used to the idea of this being a thing that you had in your house and then all of a sudden like sony rolls up and is like yep ours has a disc check us like and then yeah i guess the idea that we had to choose between a nintendo and a sega maybe wasn't like it wasn't a true like uh (laughs) it wasn't a true binary i mean these things were fucking expensive yeah those consoles cost about as much as consoles cost today not counting inflation like when you count inflation the consoles and the games were profoundly expensive so like i i get it uh i think we got our sega pretty long after the genesis came out uh from our nani one christmas which was totally dope um <laughs> like we weren't even expecting it and then like the last present we opened up on some christmas like 1997 or something like that was just like oh shit thanks nani damn <laughs> um but you know it just it just sonic took off from there it was sonic 2 sonic and knuckles which had a which was like a weird game genie-esque pass through that you had to plug the sonic yeah. 2 cartridge into oh yeah no i never went that far i just had one and two uh then you had of course dr robotnik's mean beam machine sonic pinball sonic 3d blast sonic cd sonic adventure sonic adventure 2 battle sonic <laughs> advance sonic heroes shadow the hedgehog sonic the hedgehog 2006 reboot sonic unleashed sonic and sega all-stars racing sonic colors sonic generation sonic lost world sonic boom sonic mania and like a bunch of he goes to the Olympics against to... Mario and a bunch of them. <laughs> and all those games are equally great. And the, the, all of them did really good and were very good games. I wanted to ask you about Shadow because I don't really know. What is what is the story with Shadow? In it, Shadow the Hedgehog has black and red fur. Yes. And he's very angry. And I know he, what he looks like. Yeah. But like, what's his story? He has two guns. And so in his <laughs> game, you go around with, and it's like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, if he had two guns. Are you being 100% serious? Yeah, he had two guns, uh, one for each of his hands. <laughs> and so he would run very fast and he would shoot his guns to, you know, hurt the robots or whatever. Um, you, the look you're giving me is the look that everybody gave <laughs> Sega. Just the first game was like you roll up in a ball and you get rings and then you have to bounce on things. You bonk on a piranha to make like a good fish come out. Yeah. And this one, Shadow the Hedgehog. Or to like free, oh, there was things if you like bounce on a robot, it would like free a real animal in it. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, this one is you, you he has shoot. Gun, he shoots the guns <laughs> at him. And maybe the animals inside make it, maybe they don't. He lets God decide. Um, most of the later game, I would say around after Sonic Adventure 2, which was on the Dreamcast, which was Sega's last home console, which is like a very tight bookend on the Sega, like, uh, Sega was the wildest creator of home consoles ever. 
the wildest thing they ever did was the follow-up to the Genesis was called the Sega Saturn. And that was their like, oh, we have a fancy one that runs discs too. What they did was at E3 some year, I don't remember, they did their press conference and they announced, this is our new shit, the Sega Saturn. And it's on sale today. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And then they sold like 17 of them. Uh so wild uh but like okay you think they expected people to run out of the room yeah right uh despite like how sort of lousy sonic games got and they've bounced back they've they've been making some it's been way more consistent i didn't even know they still had them yeah sure uh the one i was playing with henry the other day sonic mania is like i think the most recent one but they're making like an open world sonic 3D platformer, which could be fun. The Kirby wow. one's fun. Uh, but also, I mean, they went on to make several cartoons. There have been about, let me check, Infinity Comics of Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog, including one written no, by the McElroy family. Uh, <laughs> Henry still asks about that all the time. He's like, so why did Sonic need to learn how to drive? And I'm like, it's a jo- it was a joke. <laughs> it's not part of lore. You don't have to... Um, <laughs> But there's something like, I don't know, Henry loves this dude and all of his colorful buddies. and He's just like, he's super fast. He's very fast and he's edgy in a way that like you can talk about in front of your parents and they won't get worried about you. <laughs> it's fair. They won't get worried that you're going to steal their car in the middle of the night. And he's not like, it's not like he's a big, muscly, intimidating thing, you know? Yeah. Like anybody could be Sonic. And what's really fascinating about Sonic is that the character had a much bigger impact on like games and pop culture than the games did themselves, right? Because they didn't make a bunch of like hyperactive platformers like those Sonic the Head. Go back and play Sonic 1, 2, or 3. They're they're really fucking fast. Like they're so fast and kind of hard to play because they're very fast. Yeah, no, I never like, I never like beat Sonic. Yeah, right? And so like, there weren't other companies making games like that. It wasn't until like indie developers became became kind of like empowered to to make the kinds of games that they wanted to make that you started to see more sort of like Sonic like games. But the character itself, like I would say, had a huge impact on '90s pop culture uh, in in a in a manner that sort of like outgrew the games themselves. Which I find just I don't know. I find it really fascinating. Like how. Like how? Yeah. I mean, how many kids with Sonic the Hedgehog like backpacks and shit like that? Like in the same way that uh, like Space Jam informed yeah, like, okay. pop culture, okay, right? I see what like you're it's, it's it. I was like, it's not like everybody went out and tried to get like a Sonic haircut. <laughs> well, no, honey, because that is would be quite a bold decision. But the '90s had this like, uh, you know, the prevailing pop culture attitude was one of sort of like benign rebellion for the most part yeah uh, i can see what which, you're saying. which was sort of typified by just like being fucking cool uh yeah. and that is such a broad thing and the way that it was defined was through these like zeitgeist things like a like a space jam like a michael jordan and the you know 96 chicago bulls in general like sonic the hedgehog like bart simpson yeah and all of that shit like really typified that very, very, very specific era. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, then the way that pop culture works like went on to inform the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it's neat that this like <laughs> Mr. Needle Mouse rabbit with prehensile ears went on to like change the world <laughs> and make the two of the only good video game movies that have ever existed. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see the second one. It's a lot I of liked fun. The first one. It's a hoot. Tails is great. They have a great. There's a great relationship. Idris Elba's Knuckles is a breakout performance. I would say <laughs> very, very good. Jim Carrey's a little much. I'll say it. I said it the first time around. This time he did not turn that that, that knob downwards at all. But uh, the, are you saying that this movie is really going to put Idris Elba on the map? <laughs> I'm saying that. You hear Idris Elba is going to be playing Knuckles in the Sonic movie, and there's probably a lot of people who think, like, that's going to be weird, when they should have thought, that's going to be fucking delightful, because he's going to do such a good job, and it's really going to bring the character to life. I don't give a shit about Knuckles in general, right? Yeah, I, I feel now like, I do though. I feel like Knuckles showed up to complicate things, but everyone was like, "We didn't, we didn't need that. We didn't need that. We just needed a third buddy for Sonic and Tails to pal around with." And that is eventually, you know, that is the direction that Knuckles follows eventually. But I don't know a whole lot more about Sonic lore beyond my beloved contributions to it. I want to thank Bowen and Augustus though for for the use of our theme song "Money Won't Pay." You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, I want to thank you for listening to to the show. And I hope you'll come out and see us in St. Louis uh, next week. Yes. Uh, When we're on tour, we're going to be opening up for Mabim Bam on Wednesday, Uh April 20th in St. Louis. And if you can't come to the St. Louis show, you should still go to the Minneapolis show or the Kansas City show. Yep. Yep. Because those will also be good. And those are the next, the following three days. So you can get mm-hmm. tickets to all that at macroy.family. You can find a, 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 a handy article at the top of the page with links to all of our tours. We're going to be in, uh, I don't know, Salt Lake City, Portland. Uh, why are those the only two at San Diego? Uh, now all the cities that I'm not going to, Boston, Mashantucket, a bunch of places. Uh, go to macroy.family, check that all out. Did we thank Maximum Fun? Thank you, Maximum Fun, for having us on the network. We're having a lot of, we're having the maximum amount of fun around these parts, talking about Sonic the Hedgehog and looking at each other lovingly. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Until next time, now do your Tom Brokaw star imp- impression, please. I just want to hear what you think Tom Brokaw sounds like. Mm, yesterday, y- yesterday on. <laughs> That's so, I don't even need any more. That was so good, babe. <laughs> that was so good. Thank you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.